I am. <laughs> you know, for years, I played the guitar, and I love the guitar, and I'm always going to play as long as the Lord gives me ability. You know, but the last several years, it's just been a real challenge um, on so many levels. And, um, you know, age creeps up on you. I know people say, oh, you're not old. I said, you ain't been playing this guitar for 30 years either. It's, uh, it's, it's tough sometimes. And so, but I thank the Lord. He's been faithful. And, and uh, you know, you just flex and just move with it. Amen? Amen. But I know one thing about church folks, church members, <laughs> they don't always like change. They always like things to change. But sometimes it just, there's nothing you can do about it. And I just thank the Lord. We just roll with it and flow with it. And I thank God tonight for his grace. Amen. I always remind myself that the Apostle Paul went around the world and he never had a keyboardist. He never had a guitar player. You say, well, you don't know what he had. He doesn't ever talk about that. They talk about singing hymns and psalms, but I just believe they sang a cappella. And uh, but they didn't have um, we know they didn't have sound systems. We know that they didn't have microphones. They just preached the gospel. Amen. They just preached the gospel. And uh, you don't ha- need any of those things to preach the gospel. You just, ha- you just need a soul to listen. You need ears to hear and somebody to hear. You need an audience. That's the only thing you need to really truly fulfill the will of God and preach the gospel. And tonight, just in prayer this week, uh, seeking the Lord, uh, He laid this just, just upon my heart. And I just want to say that I'm actually just kind of exhorting us tonight. I'm not going through an in-depth Bible study uh, line by line. I'm just exhorting us as a body tonight to preach the gospel. And that is the message tonight in Romans chapter 10. And then we're going to read a passage in Mark chapter 16. Actually, let's go to Mark 16 first. Mark 16. Are you here tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Mark 16. Verse 15 is where we're going to start. Mark 16, verse 15. And the Bible says, And he said unto them, Mark 16, 15, Go ye, this is Jesus, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I just want to clarify something because there are some churches back in the middle of America that think, part of uh, expressing their faith and uh, proving that they have faith and that they trust God, they pass around rattlesnakes. Well, I've never held a rattlesnake, nor do I ever need to or want to, to prove my faith. The only faith I need is when I see a rattlesnake is to grab the quickest shovel to take care of it. I don't care what the state of California or anybody else thinks about a rattlesnake. They are my enemy. Amen. And so <laughs> they may be endangered, but not in the eyes of Jonathan Skiles. Amen. But 
The reason I believe that Jesus wrote that scripture, and I just want to say this because undoubtedly there's always somebody that will say, are you the kind of church that picks up snakes? No, I've dealt with snakes before, but not those kind. Amen. But what he meant was, is if you happen to get bit by one, you know that you can pray and, or just shake it off in the fire like the Apostle Paul did. I heard of a story of a man that I worked with one time that he said he had uh, knew of a friend that was, I don't know, up in the mountains or something, and, and they were not near uh, any kind of emergency facilities or hospital. And a little boy got bit by a snake, poisonous snake, and the mama was a praying woman. She was a godly woman, and she picked up that baby boy, and she took him over, and she was just in despair, tears running down her face. And she said, God, your word says... Your word says, if we get bit by a snake, if we take up a snake, or if something like this happens, that it shall not harm us. God, she said, be true to your word as you are. And at that moment, that boy began to stop crying. He never swelled. He never got sick. God healed him right then and there. Amen? Right then and there, in a moment's time. So that's what he means when he says that. And that's just all free. I didn't intend on saying that tonight. But undoubtedly, somebody will ask that question. The, 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 the context or the text that I want you to hear tonight is simply what Jesus said in verse 15. And it is, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now go over to Romans chapter 10. Verse 14, and we're going to read a portion of Scripture there, and then we'll get into the message here. Romans 10, verse 14, and this is what it says. The Apostle Paul spoke, actually in verses 9, he said, and I'll start there, he said, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then he goes in and he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. He says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah saith, Lord, who who hath believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. The message tonight is simply this, and it's entitled, Preach the Gospel. Preach the Gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray you help me tonight just to share this simple, simplistic message. And Lord, give me, I pray, the anointing to make it come alive. And God, breathe upon me and breathe upon this message tonight. And we'll give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. We thank you and we praise you. And everyone said, Amen. Now, why, the question is, must we preach the gospel? I am going to tell you what I believe in Scripture, why we must preach the gospel. Number one, number one, 
It was the final command that Jesus said to us or gave to us, and we must obey it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Matthew uh, 28, he said that we are to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We are to preach, proclaim, declare, share the good news, which is the gospel. There's a lot of bad news out there in the world today, and we need to share with the world the good news. Amen? They need to hear that there's good news in Jesus Christ. And the good news is not that things are going to get better here here but the good news is that one day we're going to be in heaven with our Lord and Savior our creator the one who created us the one who not only created us but recreated us amen gave us a new heart a new spirit caused us to come alive and that's the good news amen that we can be free from sin here we can be free from its effects and we can also know that we've got an eternity awaiting us in glory But the first reason, I believe, simply because the Lord said, go into all the world and preach. You must preach and share the gospel. Number two, it is something that is to continue on even up to and through the tribulation. This is something a lot of people don't think about. But the 144,000... Uh, will be witnesses of redemption. And the Bible says, for those that say, you know, there's not going to be any gospel preached or anything during the time of the tribulation, that is not true. Because in Revelation chapter 14, this is what the Word of God says in verse 6. It says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains of waters. The bottom line is this. Because Revelation is very encrypted, it's very prophetic, apocalyptic, it's hard to understand, it's hard for me to understand. And even people that say they do understand or they know more than other people, there are so many viewpoints, but the fact of the matter is I only want to highlight what is written here in the Word of God. There are 144,000 men that are going to be preaching and ministering And it's going to be to Israel. It's going to be to the Jews. It's very clear here in the Word of God. But there's going to be a clarion proclamation and a shout that you need to hear the gospel. You need to fear God. You need to worship the Creator. In other words, what I'm saying is God, through His Word, has commissioned us and commanded us to preach the gospel. And He said it will continue up until everything is finally done till the final conflict and final analysis of it all even to the end of the book of Revelation so we see this it is a central theme or thread it's a landmark exhort left by Jesus that we are to preach the gospel number three it is God's means of reaching lost souls this is the most I believe important concerning the soul of man because even if God commands it even if we 
we know that it's something that has continued. It is a landmark exhortation from the Lord. If we don't preach it, men die and go to hell. So we must preach it because it's the means of reaching lost souls. Preaching. Can you imagine? Preaching the gospel. It's awesome. Let me say today, it may seem foolish, a foolish thing to non-believers. They think we're nuts. They think we're crazy. Amen. You know, I, I, I even know of people... Uh, that even claim to be Christians, that if you start talking to somebody outside of the church, it makes them feel uncomfortable. They need to get right with God. Because Jesus said, freely you have received, freely you need to give. God saved your soul. Doesn't that person deserve what you received? And I received? Yes. And so it may seem foolish, a foolish thing to non-believers, but God chose the method of preaching. That's what He said in the Word. And, uh, it's not, uh, it, and it's not the method that they think is foolish, but it's the message of the cross that they think is foolish. If you read 1 Corinthians, you can turn there with me, to the very first chapter, it says this here in the Word of God. He says in verse 27, he says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, things which are not to bring not, to bring to naught things that are. And if you read verse 21, he said, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So it's not the foolishness of the message. It's the message of the cross that they find foolish. If you look, the world knows the power of communication. They do. They know that just ask your TikTokers and ask your YouTubers and your, your people on Twitter and your people on Instagram and your people on Facebook. It is the greatest outlet, media, venue that you can use to propagate whatever it is that you want to spread and propagate. If you want to get your product out to market, that's what they tell you to do. That's why you go on Facebook and every other, you know, every other thing is an advertisement for something. To detail your car or to a t-shirt or this and that. Something that will help you go to the bathroom. Something that will help you. Amen. Come on now. We're all here tonight. It's all right. There's always something they're trying to sell or move or do this or do that. Even Christian organizations, which I praise the Lord because the gospel is getting spread through all of these media means. But I said that to say this, that the world understands the value and the power of communication through media sources. They have picked up something that God instituted and originated thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. But they see the gospel as foolish, but not so much, not us that are born again believers. We don't see it foolish. No, no, and the reason we have to preach it is because the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that are perishing. But to us that are saved, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. It's the power that changed my life and your life. It's a power that sets you free. 
It's a power that changed your mind, changed your heart, changed your attitude, changed your whole atmosphere and environment in your home. It's the gospel and the power that puts your family back together. It's the power that delivered you from drugs and alcoholism. It's the power that delivered you from perversion, adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism. It's the power that sets you free. That's why we've got to preach it. Because men's eternity is weighed in the balance. Think about it. It's to us the power of God. Bill Maurer, he's a very liberal man. Very liberal. But he went around the whole world. And he began to do like a documentary on all the different religions. And he does nothing but make fun of them and make a mockery out of them and everything else. There was another man, Morgan Freeman, did the same thing. He did the same thing. Bill Maher didn't find anything. He didn't change his, it didn't change his opinion. He's still, you know, as, as, as liberal as he's always been, and his thinking is very ungodly. But Morgan Freeman went around, and he almost had the same, you know, a conclusion that, uh, you know... Uh, being an atheist person, being a man that considers himself atheist, but he went into a Pentecostal church. This is a fact. I saw it with, with his own lips he said it. He went into a Pentecostal church, a spirit-filled environment, and he said, I felt something there I'd never felt before. This is why the gospel must be preached. Because it is the only thing that's going to penetrate penetrate through the darkness. Penetrate through the false and the deception. That's why it must be preached. It's the only thing that's going to make a difference. It's the only thing that's going to bring faith to somebody to bring change. And we must believe because we have the answer. We don't have a answer. We have the answer. He is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So... Uh, but 1 Corinthians 9.16, Paul said, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Why would he make such a statement? Because it is the power of God unto salvation that, to everyone that believeth. My most favorite scripture, I'm convinced, my most favorite scripture that I have in the Bible, that I have in the Bible is this verse because it so impacts me. It so encourages me. You know, Paul said in verse 16 of Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in that gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Why does the righteousness need to be revealed? Because we need to realize that we are unrighteous and we need the righteousness of God to begin to atone for our unrighteousness. Amen? That is why it's so powerful. And he said, it is the power of God. It's the only thing that will change anything. We hear, and you know, he said, I'm not ashamed of it. Why would I'd be ashamed of it why would I be ashamed of the thing that will change a person's life forever I've watched people that were in churches that were preaching 
another gospel or a part of the gospel. They were preaching only the blessing and prosperity of the gospel. And it's there. But it ain't the whole. It's a part. Okay? You can't throw that out. It's, it's there. When God saves you, you know, the blessing of God's upon you. And there, there's just, it just happens. When you're faithful, God will he'll help you. Amen. He'll bless you. When you need a house because you, you, you know, your house is getting too small, you pray and you say, God, help us. He will. When, when the time comes, he'll open the door. Just keep trusting him. Just keep believing him. Amen. Just keep doing it. We lived in a little, little bitty house and our kids began to get older. And, you know, I always would tease about it. You know, I'd, I'd lay in my bed and, and, and in that room and my foot would stick out the back window just about. It was so small and I was so tall and so big, you know. And so, but I, I, what I'm saying to you is that we lived there for a long time. 14 years we lived in that little house. We lived there and I was happy to be there. Sometimes it was a little cramped, but the time came. God opened up the door. And I mean, I got serious. Angela got serious. Lord, we need some more room. These kids are getting older and older, and we're just about outgrown this place. And you know what? God opened the door. He opened the door. And, uh, but God will bless you. He'll minister to your need. There's no doubt about that. But that is not the only message you should hear every week after week after week after week after week. The gospel is Jesus died for your sins and my sins because we were sinners. <laughs> Amen. And in that death, burial, and resurrection is not only atonement for your sin, but the power to give you a new life and to bring you up out of that darkness and set you on a solid rock and foundation and change your life. Put your marriage back together. Bring your kids in from that dark place. Change you from who you are to where and who God wants you to be. But Paul said, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. If I preach not the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's the power that brings you to a place of salvation. Not just changes the comforts of your life. Amen. I don't even have to get into that. I don't care. I want people to be, I want people to be blessed. When somebody comes in and they say, Pastor, you know what? I got a new car. I'm like, let's see it. Come on. Let me get in there. Let me feel the steering wheel. Let me pray over it. I don't care if it's 25 years old or two seconds old. I think a child of God should be blessed. The Bible's clear about that. It's all right. But you'll prosper as your soul prospers. But your soul prosperity is the most important prosperity. That, that you, would, you would have that grace along the journey. And we should have lives that have peace. That's the normal Christian life. To have the peace of God. To have the joy of the Lord. To have the healing flowing through our, our, our home. You know, we've been in a, a place where in our home where there's joy and peace. And somebody will come visit or something. And it just you feel the disruption of the peace. And I'm like, hey, 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 hey. Jesus lives here. This ain't your house. Amen. You came in here like a Tasmanian devil. And you think you're going to stir up a whirlwind in this place. But let me tell you something. That ain't the way we function around here. We got peace. We got love. I'm saying we don't have our problems. But me and Angela and Grandma Sue, we get along pretty good. Amen. Amen. Just stay away from the, from the carb-free popsicles and you'll be all right. 
Sister Scouse bought some carb-free popsicles, and I ate about five, and there's six in the box. So what do you say? Amen. So what do you do, Pastor, to keep the peace? I'm going to go down to the grocery store and buy some new popsicles. Amen. But I'm going to get some different ones for myself moving forward. You know, because when you know what low-carb means, you know. You know what fat-free means and sugar-free no flavor. Amen. That's what it means. No taste. So you say, oh, pastor, I'm saying, go ahead and eat them things if you want to. But I want something that's got a little sugar in it that tastes like you want to eat it. Amen. But it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Believeth. Powers at work to deliver you. Powers at work in you to believe. Powers at work to give you life eternal life, sustained spiritual life. Power is in you to save you from God's wrath and from the punishment that we deserve. I'm so sick and tired of people saying, I don't want to go to a church where there's hellfire and brimstone. I said, you're the one that needs it the most. Because I can tell you, people that aren't afraid about going to hell because they're right with God don't care if you preach on hellfire and brimstone. And it ain't preached enough as it is. People wouldn't live that way. Come on now. Amen. But we must go and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because God's way, that's God's way of telling us every soul matters. They were all created in my image, made in my image, and they are of value to me. Every one of them. Even those that don't even know what they are. I can tell you every creature that God created is a living soul. And where there's breath in their body, there's hope for them to hear a message that can change their life. Amen. Amen. How do you know that this transgender stuff is all wrong? Well, I know because it's wrong according to the Word of God. But you know what's even more powerful? Is God is saving many of them. And they're turning back to what they were normally created to be. So that tells me something. That there's things that are sinful, there's things that are dark, there's things that just the enemy wanting to destroy the lives of, of people in this world. Every one of us. And, and thank God for the grace of God and for His mercy. But God's way of telling us go into all the world and preach is to every creature, the gospel to every creature, because every creature was created by me and their soul is weighed in the balance and you'd be surprised the people that you're scared to death or intimidated to talk to are a lot of times the ones that are right there on the brink that just want to hear what God has to say that, that somebody would love them that somebody would even think it's like when our, our street ministry team went out and they began to minister to some of these people one of the street uh, one of the men that they met in the street you know what he said to them he said you guys make us feel like we're human can you imagine not even feeling like you're human because because the world doesn't want anything to do with you it is their only hope they need the good news. That's why we've got to preach it. We must. We must hear Jesus' parting words. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We must embrace what Paul said 
How will they know if they don't hear the message from a preacher? And everyone in here is a preacher. Amen. We are not obeying like we should. Why? A lot of times we're intimidated. Well, let me tell you the cure for intimidation and, and, and a lack of boldness. Just get filled with the Holy Ghost. Hey, it worked for Peter, didn't it? He was scared to death for anybody to know he belonged to Jesus. Then he got filled with the Holy Ghost and he came down and he said, You crucified Christ. All 3,000 of you. All of you that are hearing under the sound of our voice. God that day spoke and thousands were, were ushered into the kingdom of God because he's scared to death to claim Jesus as his rabbi or messiah. But all it took was 10 days in an upper room getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and he came down out of there and he began to preach to them and say, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. On your sons and daughters, the, 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 the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out upon all flesh. All flesh, whosoever will. So that means that's for you. So how do I get the Holy Ghost, Pastor? Seek the face of God. He'll fill you. There's not a person in here who's been baptized in the Holy Ghost that didn't seek for God to fill them, that didn't get filled. It may take a little while, but you begin to seek God until He fills you. If you set your mind to say, I'm not going to get up or give up until the Holy Ghost fills me, until God fills me from head to toe, and that is the cure, the cure, the cure for the boldness that you don't have. God will give you a boldness to speak, and you will not be intimidated anymore. Amen. You will not be intimidated, but you will be a person who is bold as a lion. The book of Acts is chock full of times that the apostles were preaching amidst hostility and religious persecution. I've been reading it this week in the book of Acts. It's just awesome to see. When they told them don't preach, they went and preached again. They put him in prison. God set them free. They said we went down there to see where they were. They weren't in the prison. The doors were locked. The guards were in front. We didn't see anybody there. Well, where are they at? Well, we just found out they're up there in your church preaching. The synagogue. What? Not only did God set them free, but they're looking for the men. They couldn't figure out where they were. And they said, they're up there in the synagogue preaching. You guys ain't there, but they're there. What? And they knew, we can't drag these boys out. we got to use a little finesse here because these people are listening. Everywhere they went, they got stoned. Paul got stoned and left for dead. He got right back up, kept on preaching. He said, what did you learn through that stoning? I'll tell you what I learned. He said, with much affliction, you enter into the kingdom of God. <laughs> with much trial and affliction, you will enter into the kingdom of God. He said, but I still got to get up because woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. There's somebody that's got to hear. Just because I got snake bit, I can't stop. Just because I was shipwrecked, I can't stop. Just because I got stoned, I can't stop. Just because somebody shut the door and said, we don't want to hear you, I can't stop. I've got to keep preaching the gospel. It's their only hope. And Jesus' parting words were that. And you cannot. So we all must pray God's grace, His power, 
in our lives and that we are moved with compassion, yea, obedience unto God to preach the word because many souls depend on that. Everywhere you go, what's my world, pastor? Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, your surrounding. Make sure you set an example that would speak volumes to them that you are a Christian. Amen. Don't live one day up and the next day down. Don't be speaking faith and joy one day and the next day the whole, you know, your whole life is in a toilet. Amen. You just got to live for God. Amen. Put a smile on your face because no matter what you're going, through it doesn't change what God can and cannot do he can amen save you he can set you free amen he I don't even know why I said it but there is no cannot in God he only can get excited just never know what's going to come out of your mouth but we must be moved with compassion and obedience unto God and you will not have compassion in the field or the outward field. What is my field? My field is La Habra. My field is you. My field is being out there in that harvest field reaping lives. Reaping the harvest and souls. And we will not have compassion in the field when you haven't had it in the prayer closet. We must... Pray for people when we're alone with God. And then we will see them come to Christ. Amen. How how do you know that, Pastor? Two reasons why I know that. Number one, because I've seen it happen right before my eyes. I have watched people that were away from God And I said, Lord, tug on their heart. Bring them into the house of God. And the next Sunday they were there. I've watched as I've prayed for people, sought the face of God for them, wept and cried and said, Lord, please get a hold of them. Please rattle their nest. Amen. Stir it up. Deal with their heart. And they'll pick up the phone. I don't know why God just wanted me to call you today. I don't know. I just felt led to call you. How are you doing, Pastor? They didn't know it, but I knew it. I was listening to Glenn Berteau and at Pastor uh, Ships, at Lee Ships, and he was sharing about how that when he was in that coma, and I shared this a few weeks ago, that he was laying in that coma, and he said, I didn't see a bright light. I didn't see Jesus. I didn't see heaven. He goes, I was in a dark room. It was like a waiting room, and he goes, I was sitting there, and he said, you could see the light underneath, but they, I could not go there. I could not get there to the door, and he said, but as I was laying there or sitting there, he said, I heard people praying. I heard different voices of people that sounded familiar to me that were praying. And he said they were pleading over my life and binding the spirit of death. They were taking authority and binding the spirit of death. And he goes, I was there for just a little bit longer. And he said, these these beings came over to me and they grabbed me pretty forcefully. And they said, you cannot be here anymore. And they threw me through that door. And he said, there I was in my hospital room with my eyes open. I come out of that coma. So there is power in our prayers. Absolutely. That's not a form. That's not a theory. That's a reality. That's the hope that we have 
for somebody in ourself. He's a prayer answering God. I prayed for my brother-in-law. They mocked me and made fun of me. But as we drove home, I said God's going to raise him up. Two weeks later, when they said he wasn't going to make it, he called on the phone and he made it. Because God said, I'm going to bring him through that. He's going to come out of it. So prayer changes situations. It changes the heart of people. It changes their whole life. Amen. God gave him another opportunity. So we must understand that if we're going to be powerful and have compassion in the field outwardly, we're going to have to have it privately. Now I'm going to address another obstacle here for the next five or ten minutes that's plagued the church and stifled evangelism. And there's going to be people, I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I'm going to share something with you that really causes me to step back and say, I, 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 I don't understand this, but God has kind of brought some understanding to my, my, my heart. And, uh, but I want to address an obstacle that's plagued the church and stifled evangelism. And I'm probably going to make some people mad, maybe even online. But to me, the reason why we're not seeing people evangelize and that being other than their prayer life and their, their personal experience in God and their encounter with God, when you don't see the priority of their life being evangelism, I believe it's because there is way too much attention and time put in revving your engines and spinning your wheels in a place of inaction. Let me just share this with you. Years ago, I worked for a plumbing company. And they let me have a ratted and tattered truck. Old Chevy truck. It barely ran, but it got me over to Santa Monica to do a service job. And I went over there and I looked at the... It was in a restaurant. I looked in the toilet and, and in the tank. It was running water. It needed a whole deal. And so, you know, to fix it, I don't even know all the guts. I call it in there, all the mechanism and stuff to help flush the water down. And so I just got my wallet and I drove down to Home Depot about two minutes away, came back and fixed it. And then I went back to my company. I was done for the day and they said, what happened? I said, well, this is before we had cell phones. This is 1995 or 95. It was 95. And they said, how did you fix it? I said, I went down to Home Depot and I bought the part and I fixed it. And they said, well, how did you get the part? I said, I went to Home Depot. And they said, well, how did you pay for it? I said, with my credit card. And these two people in the office are looking at me and they said, my boss is over there laughing. And I thought, what did I do wrong? I said, did I, did I make a mistake? He goes, no, no. He said, you're the first person that I think we've ever had that just took initiative at your caliber being an entry-level service guy that just got the, you know, the proactivity to just go down and do what you had to do to fix it. 
And they said, we're just kind of taken back that you did that. Because most of the time they come back and say, well, I got to go get a part and I got to go back out there and I got to spend another two or three hours driving and going and fixing and all this stuff. And they said, we are just blown away <laughs> that you fixed it. And that you had the initiative to buy the part, to put it together and all that. They said, most people, you know, that start, they just kind of go, well, I didn't really know what to do. And I said, well, that's just the way I am, I guess. That's just the way I think. I don't want to come all the way back here and waste gas. And at that point, it was a dollar a gallon. I don't want to go home and come back and then waste all this time and company time and hours. And why would I do that? And my boss is just over there. He's about to fall out on the floor. Why did I say that to you? The church has overcomplicated so much. We have to have visions for a purpose. Then find our destiny. Then understand the specifics of our destiny. And then challenges of why we don't see it unfold. Then process the hindrances or the spirits that are hindering our destiny. Then we need motivational training to pursue all of it. When Jesus said, go. Just go. You don't have to have a committee. You don't have to. That's what blows my mind sometimes. You see these churches and they've got this committee and this committee and this committee and this committee. They've got, I know of a church that has like six people that work just to count the offering, okay? And I'm not here to talk trash or anything. I'm just here to say I'm not naming names or anything. But just count it and blog it. That's it. You don't have to go through 15 steps to get there. I just, sometimes I just think there's way too much oversight and way too much occupation with self that we don't just go do the job and get it done. Are you hearing me? Just do it. Just get it done. Just go. Jesus didn't say, now when you get to, you know, he said go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Wait till God gives you that power. But you don't have to go through all of these steps and get together. Okay, now, now when are we going to do it? And how are we going to do it? And what are we going to say? And do you feel called that you're the one to preach? Or am I supposed to be the one that preaches? And, and, and do you think that that's part of, you know, from the time you were a child all the way up to now, that what God's called you to do? And it's just absolutely ridiculous sometimes because people are so self-absorbed with self and God is saying just go just go just preach I can walk out the door and go to the corner and be fulfilling the will of God and the commission of the gospel talking to somebody on the street I don't have to have a committee and have a month's worth of training let me tell you something and I'm qualified to say this. Oh, oh, I'm qualified to say it. There's a lot of things I just need to sit down, not say anything. But I'm qualified to say it. I just simply sought God for six to eight months just because I wanted to be with Him. I didn't have an agenda to be in the ministry. 
I didn't have, I was already, I was already happy and satisfied where I was. When I say satisfied, I was leading worship. I was youth pastor. I had a great job in the aerospace industry. I, 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 I was going on the streets. I was going to the prisons two and three times a week with Robert Frias. I was at the highlight of my life, fulfilling ministry. Amen. I just wanted to get along with God. God put that in my heart, so I began to go over to Family Bible. I asked Steve Jones, can you give me a key? I can use one of these Sunday school rooms because I just want to pray in quiet. I got kids, got neighborhood neighbors playing mariachi and all of this other stuff, and I just want to pray. He said, here's the key. So I'd go over there and walk up them steps. And I'm in that prayer room, and I'm crying out to God. I come home, my eyes all swollen. Come in there, pour myself into bed. Get up the next day and do it again. Amen. As often as God would bring it to my mind, just go over there. Spend that time alone with God in prayer. Spend that time in that prayer closet. And one day, one day, God said to me, you are going to start a church. You are going to start a church. And you know what? You know, something rose up within me that everything I was doing, everything I had, everything I had accomplished in just faithfulness and obedience unto God, it didn't matter that I was going to sever that and walk away from it. He said, you are going to start a church. And you know what? I thought, Lord, I'm ready right now. I'm ready to grab my guitar. I'm going to walk up there on the corner of Walnut and, and La Habra Boulevard, and I'm going to start singing and playing. I know a couple Spanish songs. If I run into some Spanish folk, I can sing their kind of music, you know. And I, I thought, Lord, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm just going to share with people about God. I'm just going to talk to them about God. That was what he put in my spirit. That is how this church was birthed. I didn't sit down and go through months and months of planning and go and get a big map of the city and put a pin on there and find out what the demographic was. No, no, no. I just saw that there were lost people in the city of La Habra that needed God and God said I'm raising you up because you don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know what I've got in store for this city. You ain't nothing but a vessel but if willing vessel is all I need. So go. We're too busy focused on all of our broken downness. Do you know that if a lot of people, most people, in fact everybody, if they just get up and do something for God, they wouldn't have time to figure out all of the things that are wrong from their childhood. Hey! The people are like... You just ruined our conference. You just ruined our ministry. You just ruined it. Yeah. You know why? Because I've been there and done that. I've been there and done that. I've been, and people, I'm sure there's going to be people who are going to be like, well, you don't understand this and you don't understand that. I understand this much. I know that God sets people free. I know that he saves. I know that he heals. 
And I know that from the time I got saved to the time I am today, I've walked with God and he's peeled off layer after layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. Year by year, year by year. He's done that in an old-fashioned altar. And I'm where I am today just by walking in obedience. And he said, children, go into all the world and just preach. You don't have to get through, go through all of this stuff where you focus on your life, your only destiny, and all of the problems that keep you from it being fulfilled, and all of the people that are standing in your way. Nobody stood in the way of the disciples. They went right around them. We don't need to be coddled. We need to be commissioned. Amen. You know, this struck a chord in me in 1995 or 96, whenever it was, when Brother Clendenin came to our church. He got off that bus on that video. We saw it years later. 72 years of age. Amen. Nobody told him he could go to Russia and be a missionary. He just did what God told him to do. When the rest of the preachers and the assemblies of God were in retirement, Brother Clendenin said, you know what? There's a lost world. There's an open door, and we're going through it tracks in my back pocket and he's going and he's ministering to people he didn't speak Russian but he's passing out those tracks he's talking to people ministering with his interpreter beside him God showed me something he said all I need is somebody just to focus on me amen the only vision we need is the Holy Ghost to blaze in us this is the biblical pattern. It's the biblical pattern. An encounter with God. Not copious plans and schedules and confirmations to the third power. Just go. Evangelism isn't about us, our success, our ego. It's about Him and the soul's. Amen. It's about lost people. And we're living in the last days. In the times when things are just so bad. They are bad. And they're going to get worse. But it's about lost people. The serpent had Eve all focused on herself. And I see that same overinflated self-importance operating in Christendom. Even John the Baptist lost sight for a moment. And he said, are you the Messiah, the one who said, behold the Lamb of God? So that means any one of us can lose sight of that. Are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, go tell John the things that are taking place. Blinded eyes are being opened. People are being healed. People, you know, the gospel's being preached. And blessed is he who's not offended in me. Amen. That's when John said, I got to decrease so he can increase. Amen. Amen. God's teaching me something about being a servant. 
He's teaching me something about being humble. I have not arrived. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. God has got me in that on that potter's wheel, and he's doing something in my life. And he said, if all you do is you play the piano for somebody else to sing or you play the guitar for somebody else to sing, whatever you do, I, I, I just want you to be a servant. Amen. Because there may be somebody that steps in front of you that may reach somebody, and I've called them and ordained them for that. Are you willing to step back and just say, whatever you will, God, I want you to do it. That's what I want. I honestly want that. It's hard to die to your ego. It's hard to die to yourself. Don't let anybody tell you that it isn't. It's difficult. But I want you to think about it. Amen. They never would, this never would have happened. Uh, How do I know uh, that I'm in his will? How do you know that you're in his will? Signs and wonders follow them that believe. Signs and wonders follow them that step out. And think about it. None of these things would have ever happened had you not stepped out. You know, the other day I was just thinking about Angela. You know, she still goes to the the clubs and she does all that and ministers. And she said, you know, there was a woman that came up to her in, in their Bible study. And she said, you know, she's, she, I don't know who she is or anything, but but she said, you know, I, I, I've had people in the time and past that have come up and tried to give me a word or something and it just didn't register it just didn't register with me and she goes but 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 there's something that she said it just my heart burned within me you know and the reason I'm going to say this today is because I know it's true I said I'm going to confirm it to you I know it's true but the woman said to her she said I see you and she said you you have like a hammer in your hand but not like a a, a, a utility hammer but like a hammer that a judge has and she said she said I don't see you slamming it but I see you you in a place of authority she said you have authority in the spiritual realm you have that and she said I can see that so clearly and she said I don't usually do this but the Lord would not let me escape until I told you that and I want you to know something God said when you step out and go into the darkest places of the world where the most wicked people are that would never hear the gospel because people are afraid to go and minister to them or talk to them God will give you a heavy anointing and an authority that you wouldn't have or need otherwise but he gives it he has a purpose behind it amen amen one time I said Lord I said You know, Angela can get up. She starts taking up the offering. And I said, and people are on their feet. And they're, I said, what about me? That, what about me? And the Lord said, you know what? He said, I give anointing and I pour out anointing and power and authority whenever the person I'm giving it to needs it to use it. Now, I'm telling off on myself, but I'm going to tell you something. For years, I went to that prison and jail. I went there. And there was, there, was, there was a great authority and anointing when I'd go in there. People would, would weep and cry. Demons would squirm out of their seat. I watched it with my own eyes. I watched devils manifest right there in front of me. But God said to me, I still anoint you. You know there's an anointing upon your life. But the heavy, heavy anointing comes. Because you step out for it to be used. That's why. 
You know, it was back when we went on the street ministry, and I went a long time ago. I say a long time ago. It was a good six, seven months ago. But I went on the street ministry, and I just felt that thing well up within me. Amen. I felt it well up within me. And I said, Lord, I feel that anointing. He said, you have to have it to be out here in that capacity. Amen. Because a lot of times, get ready. Come to preach to a people that have sat under a heavy anointing, even under the ministry of their own pastor, under heavy anointing. But they did not take advantage of it. They sat there. And God said, I am not going to dispense what is not going to be used or implemented, put into use. He said, go preach the gospel. Signs and wonders will follow you. He'll talk to people on the job. God will use you. God dispenses what's needed and used and put to use. So Jesus said, go. Just go. Tell the people. Preach to them. Minister to them. We must preach. The only hope, not because things are bad in the world, but sin caused it. And the only remedy is the gospel. I read today, there are so many things going on in our world. Our economy is so fragile. But we're so used to things being the way they are. And I've seen it two or three different times. We have 25 days of diesel fuel surplus or supply in this country. 25 days. Okay? It's bad. Okay? I'm reading all these things, and the Lord's like, that. the economy is so fragile. And all the things that are happening politically, all the things that are going on in the world, we're so focused on these things, or I shouldn't say, maybe you aren't, but it's very hard not to be to see what's going on around about you. But I've read today an article. This is going to blow your mind. I read an article today that in Canada, they passed a law, or they're getting ready to pass a law, that a child can be euthanized without parental consent. If you don't know what euthanasia is, it's assisted suicide. You wonder why there's no value of life on the outside because there's no value of life when it's inside. Amen. We are living in dark, 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 dark times. I never understood slippery slope. Now I understand slippery slope. First it was just, you know, let's not change the, or let's change the laws for homosexuality. Then it was sodomy. And then it was gay marriage. And now we've got drag queens reading our preschoolers and dancing, flipping up their skirts with their private showing. And people are going, this is ridiculous. 
I'm telling you right now, and I'm not saying this to plug my school, I would not put my kids to the wolves and throw them to the wolves like that if it were happening. It's not happening everywhere. I'm just telling you, this is where we're at. They need the gospel. We have to preach it to them. Father, let us so heed your word. Because there's a world that's dying. They're dying, God, because rather than put the focus on the lost, we put the focus on ourselves, on even our own spiritual progress. And Lord, I know that we need to progress in you. I'm not saying that we don't. But when we moved it from taking this great hope that we have to not reaping the harvest that's white and ripe, but we turned everything about our lives and about our comforts and about our future here upon this earth, and we made our whole ministry that we missed you. We're not seeing the fields white and ripe. God, give us compassion for the lost. Help us to reach the lost. Give us a heavy anointing to minister to the masses. Father, tonight, I pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God. Oh, mighty God, mighty God. Father, tonight, help us. Help us. Oh, Lamb of God, right where you're at, church. Thank you, Lord. Right where you're at, amen. I want you to pray right where you're at. Just ask God to begin to stir your heart for the lost. Stir your heart for the lost. Ask God to... Stir your heart where you'll burn with a flame in your heart for people that are lost. Begin to pray them in. Begin to pray them in. I know we need to preach to them to come in, but it starts as we pray for God to bring them in. Lord, move us with compassion should be our cry. There are some of you, you have grandchildren. You've got to pray them in. You've got to call their names out. And believe, God, that when you get an audience with them, you can share with them the only hope that they have. You've got neighbors that if you'll pray, God will give you an audience with them. You've got family members. They're watching your life. Keep talking about God, praying for their soul, that God would arrest them in their heart, that he would change their heart, that he would touch them. We must preach. We must be compelled to preach. We must. Father, tonight, stir our hearts. Move us with compassion. Let us see that the lost, Lord, is important to you and must be important to us. Let us, Lord, not focus on us, but focus on those that are lost without you. Help us. Help us. Help us, Lord, my God. Multitudes in the valley of decision minister by your spirit. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God. Oh, Lamb of God. Lamb of God, Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God. Church, tonight, I just felt the Lord. If you have to leave, you, you, you have leave. There's somebody here tonight and God said, how can you preach and yet not give somebody an opportunity? If you're here tonight before we go...